11-year-old girl who's already on the pill. Don't ever say that word again. Hello. Hey, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? <clears throat> good. It's going good. <sighs> Me too. My my um, my breath is bad hmm. because of the because of the Atkins diet. <laughs> the change, and so how can you tell? I, how can you tell? Well, because it's reflecting back off of my microphone. Oh no! I'm talking into the microphone, and then my breath is shooting back at me. And it's not your typical like bad breath of someone who doesn't brush his teeth. It's this other worldly bad breath. Hmm. I shouldn't. Like I shouldn't the, ask, but can you give me? Is it a sourness or a bitterness? You know, no, it tastes. It's. It tastes like the forest. <laughs> it tastes like. Juniper and regret. It tastes like if you took a spade and dug into the dirt of a forest floor, not too deep. Mm-hmm. It's a little soily, loamy. It's a little loamy. Yeah, it, it tastes like it tastes like I've been eating raccoon. <laughs> I, and you respect you know, a raccoon. You're not going to eat it. I'm not going to eat a raccoon unless I absolutely have to. But you, you, you know, uh, this is the thing about grass-fed beef. That a lot of people don't realize. I'm making. I'm transitioning now to all. Um, I'm, I'm going on the Portlandia diet. I'm transitioning uh, over to only eating animals whose name I know. Oh, that's so wise. And um, the thing about animals that eat grass and natural foods, and not you know corn and and other animals ground into corn, aka poison. Uh, the thing about those animals is that they taste very gamey. They taste like moose. They taste like I, I, I started to wonder if I just got a bad load, but yeah. I got some grass-fed beef one time, and I, I, it tasted like salmon to me. Right, right. It tasted wrong, wrong or off. Yeah, off. But it isn't off. That is the taste of cow that has been eating dandelions, which is what they want. Hmm. And so... I'm having to recalibrate my whole taste scenario because I'm like, mmm, beef. I'm, now I'm going to eat this healthy beef. And it's like, yes, healthy beef tastes like a Moroccan leather factory smells. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever smelled a Moroccan leather factory. Well, I had the cologne, but... <laughs> but it will put you off... It will put you off your, your food for a long time. Oh, so it doesn't smell like a Lexus. It smells like, like cow. It smells like it smells like cow that has been stripped with a bone tool and then like hung covered in flies outside of a Moroccan butcher shop. You're reading that off a Whole Foods thing, aren't you? In the hot sun. This is what they're aspiring this meat to taste like. I have a metric in life. It's a, not a metric I live up to every day, but it's uh, you can call it laziness if you like. But I think one good metric in life is like success can be money. Success can be fame. Success can be, I think success as you get older is reducing the amount of complexity in your life. Oh my God. So think about being young and like having to have a whole bunch of jobs you don't like making almost no money. Like one nice bit of getting a little older is you reduce the complexity by having one job that lets you pay your bills. Like that's, you know, that may sound kind of simplistic, but the problem is like everything I look at, I mean, obviously getting off meth, is mm. good because mm-hmm. that reduces the complexity. If it you're does. traveling, it can be hard to find good meth, right? It's true. It's true. But like, depends on where you're traveling, but yes. But see, now some people, as they get older, um, they go, oh, like it's not enough for me to have the ABC well brand scotch. <laughs> now I've got to have the Glenlivet, Glenfinch, yeah. which is right. great and they're tasty. But then pretty soon you can't have a well brand anything again. You become beer guy. And right. I'm worried that if I improve my health, and I mean, I, I don't eat as much junk food as I used to because it doesn't it makes me feel bad to eat a lot of junk food, as as you're learning, I guess. Yeah. But um, but I worry that like if I get on that whole grass fed thing, I'm going to be paying like forty dollars a pound exactly. for something that tastes like Morocco. Yeah. And and then eventually I'll get used to that. Do you know what I mean? Did you ever, yeah. Have you had anything you're like, like, like you're I can only like drink Clon McClude. <laughs> I imagine. I imagine. 
for you, maybe this is something like with your ears, like you, like you're very not sensitive to sound, but you like, you know, you, you can't listen to bad sounding music. You, if you would probably not want to listen to like a low quality MP3, for example, right? Mm. So is it similar? Cause I mean, like, I don't mind that. Like I'm fine to rip it 320 or lossless now. And I do actually hear the difference, even though I'm deaf, which means that's the, a damn side away from having to go to Whole Foods to get a burger. You just hold up your phone on the, on the Muni, just <laughs> Just click the volume button all the way up and like check it out. Blurred lines. Do, 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 do. John Roderick, if I hear that goddamn Macklemore song one more time, <laughs> he says, um, "You know what he says in that song?" I'm gonna, I'm almost done with this. You know what he says in that know, song? He says where he's, he's he was his mom reminds him that he was into girls since before pre-K. I know. I now know. I was into girls before pre before pre pre before before pre-K. <sighs> I feel bad about Macklemore because I... They're the hometown boys, right? That's your home team. Well, yeah. And I, li- I like him personally. I think he's a very nice guy. And he is a super cool guy. And, and it's the classic thing, Seattle thing. As he's coming up, everybody's like, oh, my God, local guy. Check him out. He's like making it. He's so cool. And then as soon as he gets popular, then all the hipsters are hating right, him. And right. So I go to his video shoot the other day, and I'm at the video shoot. I like Macklemore. I like him as a person. I am there to support him. And I am doing my thing, which is standing in a crowd full of young people, and I am commenting on their their, their, appearance, sartorial decisions. their appearance and their behavior. And I'm like, look at these young people. They are almost human beings. Uh, not quite. But but they're edging toward it, and I'm reporting some of the things that that they are you know that they're saying in the crowd, and I'm I'm just you know I'm having my usual lighthearted fun at other people's expense. These young people are dumb. This is a completely anonymous thing that I'm not you know it's not like I'm naming them, except naming them in the general like young people. Were you doing this on the internet? I was doing it on the internet. Oh brother! And then. Out of nowhere, a booking agent from a local club, a friend of mine, a guy who is now in his mid-30s and I think has always identified himself as a young person. And now he's going through a little bit of an identity crisis. He is, he is realizing he's no longer a young person, but he doesn't know, he's not an old person yet either. He's 35 or something. He's somewhere in this middle ground. He's he still doesn't clinging at the reeds. And he, he sends a tweet at me where he says... Oh, well, at least you went to a thing that you hate to talk about it on the internet. Or he said, he sent, sent me some, some, you know, kind of shitty tweet that was like, uh, that was trying to call me out for, uh, for like being at this event and hating in quotes, hating. Oh, was, you were being a player hater. I was hating, hating on the player. And why did I go to the event if I was just there to hate? was the implication of his kind of snarky tweet. And I wrote him back and I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, first of all, all any of us do, all any of us have ever done is go to shows and snark. Like, what the fuck? If you want to take that from me, you are depriving me of 85% of my culture and life. Stand in the back of the room of a band that you adore, where you're friends with everybody, in the band and in the show. And what is there to do except snark about what people are wearing and what dummies they are like this is fundamental to my to my culture so i write it back and i'm like what's your problem like get off my and he keeps he keeps at it like you know like uh like he won't get off of this idea and 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 it felt very foreign it felt very like it felt very uh, like, what the fuck is behind this? You know what I mean? And I, we took it offline. We were texting back and forth. He wouldn't, he wouldn't get off. He kind of wouldn't get off this like righteous stance. And it turned into a small, very small, but public feud between me and this guy. Where, of course, other people in the town who... It's because Seattle is small and everybody's got a fucking opinion. All these people get involved. And anyway, the long and the short of it is the other day, I go to Macklemore's Twitter page and Macklemore isn't following me anymore. He used to follow me (laughs) and now Macklemore unfollowed me. He got on Macklemore. I can only guess that he unfollowed me because of something, because 
because I was being accused of being a hater at his video shoot. And now, now so, there are some quadrants of Seattle in which I am a Macklemore hater, which I'm absolutely not. Wow, um, that's acrobatic. You know what I mean? I'm a yeah. Macklemore lover, but now I'm in the position of, you, can, you know, you can't prove a negative. I can't go out in the world and say, hey, Macklemore lover here coming yeah. through because it's just going to be like, see, he's just hating more. So anyway, maybe he's just taking a break. He's a busy guy. Yeah, you know? it's true. He's got he's he's you know he's he's got a lot going on. But still, I feel like very conspicuous. You know, sometimes when somebody unfollows you, it's fairly conspicuous. He didn't make a point of it, but it's like I wish, I wish you'd let me tweak tweak your apps. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love to go in and just affect some very small changes. That'd be nice. Like but to hide back, all the numbers. Back to your earlier point. Yeah, grass. There was a time. There was a time, Merlin, where I did not have any keys. The the guy. This is when you were living in the van. When I was living with the, yeah, like, would you have a generator or something? What was no, it? No, I had. I, I was. I was living in a Ford Aerostar in a carport, and the Aerostar was plugged in by an extension cord to a battery charger to the house, so that I could open the the back deck, the lid of the uh, the trunk lid, and that would cause the light to go on, and I could read Stephen King novels <laughs> while I was trying it's to go to sleep. <laughs> I was trying to sleep in this Aerostar, and at a certain point, the owner of the house that was featuring the Aerostar said, as your friend, you've been living in my minivan, my non-running minivan for too long, and I'm going to have to ask you for my keys to my minivan. You know, like my house keys, basically. And then I entered that realm where I had no keys. And I remember when I, when I rejoined the world, I, I quit doing drugs. I got a job. And I got my first set of keys. I got, I got my own apartment again, you know, after sort of a long period of no place. I got my own place. And I got some keys and then I got, I got a job and they gave me keys to my work. And then I had keys on this ring. And I was like, I am, that was the point at which I was adding stuff to my life. And every new key I got made me feel like more apart. Every, I mean, I totally agree. And to me, like every key is a new obligation, a new debt. Like a new I thing start, to take care of. It's not, that's not bad. Respons- responsibility can be good. Like if you want to be like a captain of industry. In your case, you eventually were. You managed. Uh, uh, did you manage the bar? You you were like a manager at a bar, right? Yeah, and I did the books and stuff. And and eventually, that's I a had, lot of keys, John. I was one of those guys, those mid nineties guys, where I had a big chain, <laughs> and it had thirty five keys on it. And I was like, what happened to me? A few years ago, I had zero keys. Then I had like four keys. I felt great. Now I have 40 keys and I feel like shit. Uh, isn't that weird? And as you were saying at that uh, right now, Merlin, you know what I did today? I'm going through my closets. I have too many tuxedos. <laughs> That's like, self-awareness, John, you know, on so I, many levels. I'm going through, I'm going through my closet. I'm like, wait a minute. I have, I have multiple tuxedos and that is, that's crazy. I have, and you were the only one. I think you were the only one who didn't bitch about having to then rent a brown tuxedo. You're a, you will be a tuxedoed man. How, how many? How many you got? How many? Yeah, roughly. Uh, right. I mean, you know, counting. You have more than two. You have more than two. I have more than two tuxedos. I have a. I have a. Uh, I have a midnight blue tuxedo. I have a. Uh, I have a. You know, your standard black tuxedo. Then I have a comedy black tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> Which is to say, it's got a it's, tubing to go to the flower, so you the, so you can squirt people with your flower. No, but it's like a tuxedo that Charles Nelson Riley would wear <laughs> <laughs> on on uh, you know celebrity match game or something. Like it's a it is a laugh <laughs> match game after dark. <laughs> it's a laugh tuxedo uh-huh. because it's got big wide lip, lapels, and it, but it's a it was in its day it was a beautiful tuxedo. Still is a nice tuxedo. It's just <laughs> just that its, it's day was 1972. Yeah, it's just unfashionably cut. Okay. And then I have a couple of white dinner jackets, as one does, with some with some uh, you know matching black uh, tuxedo pants. Mm. 
And, oh, that, uh, would, that would be such a handsome look on you. It's very nice. It's, that, I, I think that, boy, if you can go with it. Now, what's a, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you, but what's a, a white, uh, so, so black, a dinner, they call it a dinner jacket. Like if you wear like a tuxedo at night, you wear, you wear the black. You don't wear the tails unless you're fucking Jiminy Cricket. But right a white, sure would that be wedding. like an afternoon or evening? When do you wear a, a white tuxedo jacket? Well, there's some contention uh, among the uh, the male fashion people about the appropriateness of a white dinner jacket. Some people say that it is only for the tropics. So <laughs> like a, like a, a James Bond kind of. Exactly. Uh, you're wearing the white dinner jacket if you are at a casino in Bimini or in uh, Curacao. Uh, Seattle is not in the tropics, and so one could argue, and I think people do argue, that there's no time at which it's appropriate to wear a white dinner jacket in Seattle. Not even if you were in the Navy. But, you know, as part of my job, I am often on cruise ships now. <laughs> and cruise ships go go into the tropics, and so I feel like... Just owning- to be clear, you're, you're not there as a mixologist. You're there, you're there as an entertainer <laughs> and bon vivant. Yeah, I mean, the Joko cruise was the first of these cruises, the Jonathan Colton cruise, and now I'm going on another cruise this fall, the the, uh, the Jesse Thorne cruise, the um, Maximum Fun cruise. So cruising now is a part of my lifestyle, and now I have, <laughs> and I already had a white dinner jacket, and now I have a second white dinner jacket. And I'm, so anyway, like, exactly as you're saying, I have gone from living in a minivan to having too many tuxedos, and... I'm afraid that I, I'm afraid that if I don't do something, if I don't arrest this trajectory, I'm going to be, I'm going to drown in tuxedos. <laughs> the, the last thing you'll see is my hand sticking up out of a pile of ever-growing tuxedos, and then I'll be gone. Just a small notice in the local paper. Local <laughs> musician found dead under pile of ironic tuxedos. <laughs> holding, as I go down, holding a bottle of 12-year-old single malt scotch <laughs> that I can't even drink. drink. Leave it! <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to sound like too much of a um, hipster faker. If I were a wealthy man, I might have a different feeling about this. But, you know, my, my key ring, you see my key ring? Yeah. I have two keys. Yeah. I have a key to my house and I have a key to my office. Smart. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, and a, uh, you know, if I need the car key, I grab the car key, but I don't, right. I don't want to carry that around. It's like, it puts, puts holes in your pockets. It's too long. And you see these, you see these people walking around now. You probably have like, do you have like a, do you have at least one modern car? Have you seen modern car keys? I mean, they're, they're the size of like a, like a, like a, like a box of like fireplace matches. They're, oh, sure. I, I, they're ridiculous. I've rented, yeah. I've rented one. And, and increasingly now you just put the key in the proximity of the car and mm-hmm. and the car just knows it's you. Yeah, that was that, that Musk guy invented that. All you have to do is get somewhere near it, and it just turns Elon on. Elon Musk, right? Elon, Elon Musk. It, uh, <laughs> he uh, he put he put biometrics in it. That's right. That's right. That I, was that was his addition. I yeah. don't know. I uh, I could have more. I could have more stuff. But you know, I it, it sounds like such a stupid like punk rock thing to say. But like you know, whenever I, I think we said this before, but like I feel like when I see somebody who not only has a lot of keys, but like has a lot of keys that they want everybody to see. Mm. Like I just see like a security guard. Yeah. I see, I see somebody who's like got to go. I mean, I, I, that sounds silly, but I mean like, I wonder how many of those keys actually go to anything. And do you really need all of them all the time? Yeah. They're trying to be, they're trying to be Schneider from one day at a time. Oh, no, that was a good look. Yeah. It was like, he was, you should cosplay Schneider. Uh, you know, he was a slim guy. But increasingly, one I day... I saw a Batgirl today that was Zoftig, and it was a great effect. Oh, I know. I like a Zoftig girl. Zoftig black, black girl. Um, yeah. I, see, but here's the thing. This is, this is where it all ties together, though. I, we should get back to the tuxedos, probably. But with all of those things, I think you have to ask yourself... So something I say to my kids sometimes, when, when you're thinking about... Uh, Did you just say kids? My kid, I call them my kids. But when, <laughs> when you're thinking about your work... You know, you get to those crossroads with your work, or with your life, and I think one rhetorical question to quietly ask your mind is, um, what do I want 10 times more of? Like, right. if, you, if you're being treated a certain way by an employer, um, imagine yourself staying there for a while. Would you want 10 times more of that? What would you like to have 10 times more of? Or whatever, you know, use your own multiplier. But, you know, I, uh, I, I think like, okay, um, do I want – what complexity do I want to add? Like – you know, like I was just listening to an interview. Alec Baldwin was interviewing this guy from PETA, 
and talking about like he brought up this very basic thing of like, well, when you travel, you got to get your wheat bread and you got to get your avocado. And the guy's like, it's not really all that hard. And I'm like, well, you maybe you don't travel as much as I do. <laughs> like, it's hard, you know, I, I, it's hard enough not not to get something that didn't fall out of a machine. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And mm-hmm. I guess I just think about like, what what do I want to make? I, I keep coming back to meth, John. Yes, yes, you do. It seems like one of the hard parts about being addicted to drugs in general, like if you're addicted to cigarettes, like worst case scenario, you know, you can buy cigarettes a lot of places. Yes, yes. You can buy still. alcohol a lot of places. Like if it's True. Sunday, you might be out of luck. But like, you know, if you've got to score heroin, like that's, you're going to have to trust some people and it might take a few minutes. Yeah. That's that's true, but but also if you are if you are uh, in the heroin buying subculture, you are, you know, like like it seems to us that it is easy to get cigarettes because because we're living in the in the in the culture of we're we're living in a culture where however much eight dollars for a pack of cigarettes is not too much, and. We are welcome in stores, but there are people, you know, a surprising number of people for whom getting a pack of cigarettes is a challenge. And if you are living in a heroin world, you would be surprised you, that you could travel from town to town. And you're, you're right. You're, you still are going to have to, like, put in some legwork. But, but if you planned ahead, you could make some calls. Oh, and get sure. It. Whereas with cigarettes, you might just be out of luck. I, I'm just saying, like, the more stuff that you need, think about this. Like, I think everybody could ask themselves, like, what are they worried they won't be able to do or get once the wheels hit the ground, yeah. right? And that, that could be a drink. That could be weed. Uh, that could be a hand job. Well, I'm, uh, I'm afraid that people live in a, and, and you know, and this is a like a this is a thing that I've started to worry about a little bit uh, that 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 I think in terms of other people too much. Not that I'm thinking about other people, but that I think in terms of other people. Like you are, it sounds like based on some previous conversations, you do a you're doing a little bit more sort of pre-filtering. Like you seem seems like there's more stuff where you kind of like filter it through a notional point of view yeah right and 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 so i feel tradition i feel typically that other people more or less cannot live without their crutches and their crutches are ridiculous or or uh that that a a lot of their crutches that people like go into full-on like like clawing the earth panic mode because they can't get I mean you know you you've we've we've all been through it yeah. I've been I've been traveling with people where they didn't have their they they forgot their pillow you know they brought their pillow with them on the trip Well so it feels like a kid with their stuffy Yeah and then the it's pillow like, oh gets my God, lost if you left it on like, the if you left that on the plane like it's it's game over It's game over and, and but we're talking about a 30 year old person Yeah it could know? be menthol cigarettes let alone menthol cigarettes right or let alone f- you know food and drink People get attached to pillows it's true but I'm st- but I'm trying to stop thinking in terms of other people in that way or like as a uh, as a you know as a a prism to try and like break out all the different colors of my own thought and and just start kind of trying to trying to stay more stay more focused on what am I thinking? Like, I think your thing is your, your idea is brilliant. Like, what do I want 10 times more of? I, I like, no, well, I was, I was going to say this before you started publicly agreeing with me, but I, I think that's a good way to be. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I have it on a card here, but I, I, I think, I think, boy, anybody uh, getting, I mean, like you're, when you start becoming dependent on what anybody else thinks, you're a little bit fucked. Well, so the weird thing about this, this, this Atkins, cause I have never, you know, I've never gone on a diet before. The, the the only reason I think this is even... <laughs> not a not a traditional diet. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, I think in the diet. aggregate, if you took some graph paper and an HB pencil, you've been on some extremely interesting and consistent diets. It's true. It's true. And one could argue that walking six months in one direction is a kind of going sure. as a kind of diet. Yeah. Um. But uh. But this is the first time that I have in my entire life at you know, 44 years old uh, that I mindfully like consciously said I'm going to make this kind of a change in my intake right right yeah, because right. up until now i have always preferred to feel like i am as god made me and and throw what you have at me <laughs> and i will 
and I will consume it. And I will <laughs> You'll digest. You'll make Cobb salad out of whatever will, God throws at you. I will make poo out of anything. <laughs> uh, and now I'm, you know, I'm concentrating on this and I, you know, I did not weigh myself. I have not weighed myself because the point, the point of this exercise for me is to, is really to go through a door, make a transition into a new way of, of thinking which is Which why is, calling it a diet is a little bit of a misnomer, right? right. A, a diet is this thing that crazy people do for bikini se- season. Right. But but it sounds like you're trying to do something uh, a more different. It's a it's a uh, a thought technology, right? And, it is a and, pursuit and kind of, of mindfulness yes. that that I am constantly on, and now I am extending that that uh, Truman Show bubble to include also the things that I eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what is astonishing is that I actually feel that i have stepped off a roller coaster like i do not i do not enjoy eating this way there is no you know there is no fun in it the the second time i went into a restaurant and ordered a double cheeseburger with no bun and sat and ate it out of a out of a styrofoam container with a plastic (laughs) knife and fork grim resolution (laughs) i felt yeah i felt like somebody had taken my shoelaces because they were worried I was going to hang myself in my prison cell. Like it was, <laughs> I was like, what, what has become of me? Like I ordered it. And the, the person by the cash register was like, there's another one. Tick, tick, tick. You know, like they knew how they knew how to, how to throw up two, two burger patties, but I don't, I don't necessarily enjoy it. But this, this fog that I've felt like has been on me for years, this like, this up and down, up and down kind of crazy, crazy energy fluctuations is, is gone in two weeks. I just, I no just kidding. have this, I just have this steady amount of energy all day long. I do not, I have not taken a nap in the last two weeks or, or in the last 10 days and no, no nap. I mean, a nap is like, the, that's the whole reason I get up in the morning is to start looking forward to the nap in the afternoon. Right. And now it's just like, I just, it sounds, like, sounds like your sugar has uh, stabilized. A yeah. Bit. I'm not peaking. I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm drowning anymore under exhaustion and I'm just puttering along. And it's like, uh, and this is just, I'm not even really taking care of myself. I'm just eating. Well, you know, one step at a time, one step at a time. Right. <laughs> that's, you know, that's part of that. I don't think you're, You've probably been guilty of this. I know I have been. Is that kind of black and white thinking of, again, thinking of the PETA thing? Well, you know, if, if I can't get rid of every conceivable animal product in my life, I should probably keep torturing animals. Like the, that's yes. that kind of bizarro <laughs> internet thinking that people go through of like the right. fear of hypocrisy that makes people just be permanently stuck in like in silly mediocrity. Right. But, you know, I mean, <clears throat> it takes stones. It takes stones from being like, I could give a fuck about this. It's like, I'm going to give a little bit of a fuck about this. Yeah, a little, right, and 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 not and not get all. I'm not getting all crazy on myself. I'm not. I didn't like go into my freezer and and uh, start uh, like <laughs> throwing out all the leather, <laughs> throwing yeah, throwing all the popsicles on a bonfire in the backyard under a giant golden eagle. Are you evangelizing? No, I mean only only so much only in so much as you and I have now talked about it a yeah. couple of times. Uh, that uh, and I, it, even then I feel awkward. Except that I, I feel like some, it's somehow you and I are past the point of even trying not to, you know, bore the shit out of people. We're just, we're, we are devoted to this cause mm-hmm. of talking about our poo, mm-hmm. our food, Hitler, our, our Hitler, <laughs> a little bit of Hitler. Belgium comes up some now and again. I got to learn more about Belgium. You know, it's a fascinating country. I'm very happy to hear this. Um, I uh, I fell off the wagon with uh, the eating better mm. in the last few weeks because, you know, we did some vacation stuff and yep, yep. Uh, my daughter started kindergarten today. So things have been a little bit crazy. But um, I'm going to get back into it because I remember that feeling. Yeah. And, and there's this one very uh, – I'm sorry to be doing my other podcast here. But there's, there's something I, I've said a lot that I really believe, which is like once you lose 30 pounds, like potato chips don't look as good. Right. And, and the only reason I can say that with such authority, I mean, honestly, to me, it was French fries. Like, the only reason I can say that with authority is because I went from 36 to 33, and I really felt the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I mean, the thing is, I when I walk up the hill and I have to carry my daughter, 
I sometimes think when she was younger, I would think, wow, this, this was me every day. Yeah. Like I used to have to carry like a small person when I walked up, you know, a 20 degree hill or whatever it was, right, you know a what small I mean? Person, a when, small person that was clutching at your intestines. <laughs> well, at from least she, if, she, if she was awake, she could grab on. But like that was, that extra little person was a little bit of me. Yeah. And like, if, boy, I, I, I just, you know. Let's rewind for just a second. Did you say today was her first day of kindergarten? Yeah. Oh my God! It's a pretty big deal. Wow! Yeah, yeah it, was, it was. uh It was you. Yeah. Anyway, hey, you know what? We're done talking about food. We should talk was, there, about was there co- was there coloring and stuff? Was it a, was it fine? Was she okay to go to school? Uh, I, I I love her school, um, but you know, don't get me started on institutions. You know, I just well, this is what I'm worried about because we're uh, we are investigating. Now. We have joined a co-op. That's what we did. We did a co-op for three years. My doctor did a or my uh, my daughter did a postdoc at, at her preschool. Well, so they she did an they extra out, year. Yeah, they sent out an email and they were like, "We need, we need uh, people. We need sunshine helpers. We need um, what did they want?" Oh, John, I, just you know, brace yourself because if you think you've <laughs> if you think you've been experiencing it, I'm sorry to use that that verb I hate. If yeah. you've been living in that kind of uh, you know weird parenting bumble, get ready because yeah. it's going to be so much of your personality. You're just going to have to let go of when you're around a lot of people <sighs> in these well, I places. Was, I, I mean, I you're going to have to sit through could... so many discussions that are very poorly organized. There's going to be a lot of forms that could have been laid out a lot better. There's a lot of signs with you know, bad punctuation and typography. Comic Sans. Comic Sans or like there's uh, the one, the one that my daughter's teacher uses is just, it's, it's, it's not, it's not Helvetica. It's not Arial. It's, it's kind of a stylized, like, you know, Futura meets like a, a stork. It's just, <laughs> but no, no, I, I, I suffered under that. And, and also I think there's a lot of hazing. I think there are people who are very comfortable being like a suburban mom or dad and they take it out on people like you and me. Yeah. Big time. We're not because hold- we're not because we're not totally like hipster tattooed doofuses with barbells in their nose, but we're also not like wearing tasseled loafers. Like we, we are the forgotten men. I I I want to I want to be on the board of directors just because <laughs> well, just obvious, because obvious. just because that's where I belong. You should have a coup, and then very shortly after that, become the you know just like either eliminate the board of directors or make it a. <laughs> Make their, <laughs> you know, You're like the co-op Chachescu. Yeah, put put it put it up to a vote that right. there that that there should be that all board board of directors uh, are equal, except some are more equal than others. Maybe you should uh, stage like arson of the art room. Well, you know, but to, what to gather I, people yeah, on exactly. your side, <laughs> just just like it's like your own personal just, personal Reichstag. Ice pick the the assistant teacher. <laughs> Um, what I'm, what I'm afraid of, uh, is everything. I am absolutely 100% afraid of, um, of being in a position of, well, basically having to subjugate myself to the Borg. It's so, I found it, I have no one to talk to about this. I found it so difficult. It made me realize, I'm not saying this is you, but me, like it made me realize <clears throat> how much of a man child I am in some ways mm-hmm. that like, I'm, I'm so used to like, I, I, I don't like having to like, it took me fucking 40 some years to get to where I like, I don't hate my personality. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I feel like I'm almost like out of this Merlin closet where like, I just, I, I'm very reluctant to go gently into someone else's good night. Right. You know? You are and, Merlin. Hear you roar. Well, and I don't have to be like I don't have to be a cock. I don't have to always be the center of attention. But at the same time, there's like there's just there's a lot of times when I've had to go like okay, I've worked on my own for a lot of years. Yeah. I've gotten to be like whatever it is that I am for a lot of years. And there's times when you're <clears throat> the first meeting at my daughter's co-op school, which was I, I mean like I will I can't imagine my daughter ever going to another school as great as her co-op school. We, you know, my wife mostly worked there. I work there. It's a great, it's a great gig. It's so much less expensive than like a regular, like, you know, penitentiary style preschool. Sure. Cause you're there sure. and you're, it's, it's a great way to watch your kid get better at being a kid, but right, and you learn to watercolor again. But you know, it's also, it's cool because like the people there who aren't dicks have a stake in it. Like there are people who still want to like just drop their kids off and drive away, but there are a lot of people there who are there because they believe in the school. They believe right. in what's going on. You can take that too far and like have a, some of these schools, they make you read a book before you can go there. Like they have yeah. like a, a, to, to, uh, was it Tom, 
Tom Wolfe says, you know, uh, a persuasive theory. Like each place, each place has a different like philosophy, but the, um, I don't want to have my commitment to sparkle motion doubted. No, 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 no. But, 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 you know, but here's the thing. The first thing that, well, two things just quickly in in this case. Um, first of all, that like how much I I showed up feeling like, of course, I always feel like the worst father in the world, no matter where I go. I'm always like, oh gosh, there's so many things I could be doing so much better, but I got there. Are you kidding me? Do you Uh, honestly feel that way? Yeah. And, and I got there and within like two minutes, I felt like I was at a student council meeting because it was, it was like, but, and at the greatest school in the world, but it was like the people who like were the, you know, as you say, like the board of directors or whatever, like the people who were like the head of the three-year-olds group, the four-year-olds group, it was just like student council. And it was, it was like this weird, not a popularity contest, but there were some people who cared so intensely about governing, like, you know, whether you had to wear shoes in the bike area or whatever. And second, the first meeting I ever went to at this school, the greatest of all schools, they talked about the problem of chicken poop um, for 25 minutes because there's, well, there's four chickens who run around. Oh, I see. And apparently w- one of the moms was pretty upset because some of the chicken matter had gotten on to her child's shoe. And right. that came into the house and that led to oh. a larger discussion of just sanitation in general. And like, should we even have chickens at all? If we have chickens, should there be somebody who's monitoring the, the, the chicken area more closely? Right. right. And, you know, you all know, good that, questions. That, 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 that I think it's attributed to Kissinger, you know, starts to go through your head. You know, the stakes are so, <laughs> stakes are so low, <laughs> you know, but, but I, I'm sorry, I'm going on. But I, I, my, the big pattern here is like, for me, uh, it's one thing to sit around and, and poison my daughter's mind with, with comics, but like, then I have to go up and be around other people. And even like the coolest people in the world, I feel like I'm always like, uh, it's pushing me forward. Cause now like my, all of my failures are exposed to all these people. And, uh, but, but I would not trade that experience for the world. I mean, it was, you know, it, you know what it is last thing on this. It, it's like, it's like hiring a doula or it is like finding a psychiatrist. It is like finding a mate, like, don't start with the role. Like, start with finding somebody that you like. Like, oh, you've got to find a school that you like before you find a school. You've got to find the problem. Here's yeah. the problem with that, Merlin, is that I rejected the idea of a doula. Oh. And can we, can I, we please talk about doulas at some point? And I reject the idea of a psychiatrist. And I <laughs> and, and I formal I, education. <laughs> I really have not have not fully embraced the idea of, of, of finding a mate. What about chickens? Got a thought? And I don't have chickens. You don't have heritage, you don't have heritage chickens in your Everybody yard? that comes over to my house says you have a barn every you know everybody in the city is buying chickens you're the only guy that has that actually has a barn why don't you have chickens and I'm like right because chickens Because are, why do you need fucking chickens? Right. Exactly. You, Except you, know you, like, you, like, you show up and within within a month you, like you get your tattoo, you get your fixie and you get two chickens. Well, here's I, what so I feel. Fucking weird. What I feel about the chickens. Do you have and, is chicken? Are chickens a thing there? Chickens are a huge. Chickens thing Chickens are here. a thing everywhere. Okay. But what what I feel about the chickens and the and the organic farming, both of which things I am encouraged by every person who comes here to embark upon. Like, why aren't you? Oh, it's like a little suggestion box for John's yeah. house. Why aren't things why I aren't can't you, believe John is not doing with this yard. house? Why right. don't you make? Uh, why don't you build a big organic garden? And what I realize about those things is that those are mating rituals that you, once you and your partner have exhausted all of the episodic television and you are staring across the breakfast table at one another and contemplating being together for decades and you realize like, I don't want to be like my parents. I don't want to be like my grandparents. What are we going to do? You embark upon a mutual project, like starting a garden where you are now going to eat out of this garden. And it's a merry old time, but it's really a way of, it's a, it's a way of, of stitching your relationship together with, with a kind of mutual, you know, like here are our values in bright red tape and we're living our, we're walking our talk and we're living our life together. And for me as a bachelor, the idea of going out and tilling a little organic garden for myself, again, feels like a prison activity. <laughs> like, like they take your shoelaces away, they give you two hamburger patties with cheese in a styrofoam bucket. And then you've got like your six by eight plot. <laughs> You're out there 
you're out there uh, trying to keep the rabbits out of your lettuce, and that's what keeps you. That's it's, what it's, keeps you remember you though, in, like in, in, in my case, like in college, like I would meet, I would meet a lady, and like we would just sit. And go into like, you know, uh, like you'd leave the party, you'd be Xing, you'd go to like an abandoned classroom and you could talk for 18 hours. Just oh, talk, yeah. just talk about whatever, talk about the Flintstones, whatever. She'd lie her, her head on your shoes. It'd be in the dark. <sighs> you'd be lying down. It wasn't quite a thing yet. It was just a kind of a thing. Just talking and, about whatever, just man. Just talking about whatever, man, whatever. It's just, oh my God, you too? Oh my God. And yeah. then you need projects when you get older. And let's be honest, the biggest project is a kid. Right. You know, I heard somebody said this is probably like a very old cliche. It's probably like, you know, like a Mort Saul joke or something. But like, you know, when you when you run out of things to talk to to somebody, like that's when the words will you marry me. Right. Come well, out of your mouth. and and all you have to do is go to an IKEA on a Saturday afternoon and you're seeing all the people that are that are either right before that or or right in the heart of it. Projects, or, projects, projects. They're just, you know, she they she's pushing the cart and he is kind of walking along beside and they are just picking out storage solutions he's wondering what's swedish for ricin <laughs> and uh and for me like i did not i did not escape it i but i but i but i went through a lot of those sort of as solo like i built a nest for myself here unconscious that I, that that's really what i was doing and i did it all by myself so that my house looks like a a, a, a hunting lodge <laughs> Uh, that that where someone uh, set off a grandma bomb, <laughs> but there's also there's no one there to go. What are you thinking? Of course we're right. not going to put that there. What are you doing? Right. There's no one. But by the time anyone could have said seven different mismatched plays paisley patterns is not a style. It is a mind riot. <laughs> by the time anybody could have said that to me, it was too late. Yeah. And they all they could do was stand there with their hands on their hips and go, "Wow." amazing and i'm like i know right kind of kind of like kind of like tripping you out isn't it go ahead sit on the couch if you can find the couch part so so i'm kind of now going I'm through interested this in this idea i had not thought of it this way i really yeah. had not there was nobody to keep me from buying 10 copies of the adventures of huckleberry finn because i was afraid that it was going to get banned <laughs> and i was going to have the last stash of them to hand out to people on the street. There was no one to stop me from decorating my house with amplifiers. And I have built a nest. I'm so glad out- you're there, John. I really am. I'm, I'm, I, you're like but, Berkeley. You're like Berkeley. I don't love everything you do, but I'm so glad you're there. <laughs> but the, but the, the problem is that now having built a nest and now I have a child and I, and the, and the child's mother and I are very close and we live in a very kind of communal Atmosphere, it in a, in a way, is everything that I, if you had asked me 10 years ago, like how I imagined it, it is that. I, it has happened. But, but I have, I've maintained so much of my own, um, like I kept my, my, I kept up my castle. And now I'm, now I'm in the, in this castle and I feel a little ridiculous. Like the the castle grounds are all being gardened by other people. That's that's the pre-filter, John. You should not feel ridiculous. Wait, you. I'm standing up here with my flag. You know, I have a collection of flags. Yeah. And uh, and I realized today because our uh, our good friend Captain Merriam. Yeah. So I I put Fr- friend, on, I, friend of the show. Friend of the show. I think she. I, we've, we haven't. I haven't run this through you, but I think she might be our. Uh, Amongst other things, our official statistician. Well, I, and and I and I'm beginning to feel like a chief archivist, but but uh, but so I post a picture of a jacket that I have that I thought was like a vintage, uh, you know, na- navy officer's coat, like it's clearly a captain's jacket. I thought maybe like French Coast Guard auxiliary. I wasn't sure, but I posted a picture of this. I was trying to crowdsource where this jacket was from. And I got your usual snarky answers from everybody. <laughs> and then I, I hate that. And then some legit Just answer the fucking question. <laughs> some legit tries. People were like, I don't believe that's an American and I was like, Well, right, but what is it? And it was like, not US military. There were some people taking some stabs at it. And then she comes in out of the blue with a link 
to the this exact jacket. And I didn't even post a whole picture of it. I just posted a picture of the sleeve. She's good. She has the entire jacket, and it is a Yacht Club Commodore retired <laughs> dress blues jacket. And so, I was like, so close and yet so far. How did this? How did this? Fi- I mean, it's like I wa- wherever I got this jacket, it must have, it must have crawled out of a trunk and situated itself on top of an, of a rafter. What? And as I was walking by, it leapt. I, I, oh. Wait a minute, a yacht yacht club Commodore, comma, retired R E T. Yeah, right. Okay. Like former Commodores. So there's a current Commodore. There's right. a current Commodore of the Yacht Club. He wears a different coat. Okay. This is this is the the former the former Commodore. If once once a Commodore, always a Commodore. Yeah, it's like a Marine. So it, once you have been the Commodore of your Yacht Club, you graduate. You are always able to wear like this the, jacket. The Commodore Emeritus. Emeritus, which is a fantastic. It's a fantastic coat, and and so. Then I'm online. I am researching Yacht Club. Uh, I'm literally typing this right now. Yacht Retired Club, Yacht Club Commodore. Yacht Club Commodore, former, right? Um, and I'm so I'm now I'm in this Yacht Club world. I had no idea that members of yacht clubs had ranks. There's an entire ranking system as as uh, as like elaborate and bizarre as the as the. Uh, like Freemasons, Con- Congolese Navy, or whatever. It's got, you know, you could, you can, you can be a bosun's mate in the yacht club. But anyway, I'm, I'm flipping through this, and all of a sudden, I see these flags, which I've had. I have a flag with a giant acorn on it, and a flag with crossed feathers on it, and I've had them for a long time. I, they're part of my collection of flags, and. I learned on this website that the that the acorn is the flag that you fly from your yacht if you are the treasurer of the yacht club. <laughs> oh come on. Because the treasurer is collecting acorns for oh. the And this is international. I mean if you are a yacht club in But this is this is in a book somewhere. This is codified. Yeah, right. And the crossed feathers of course is the secretary of the yacht club. So I've, I'm flying all these weird yacht club flags here around uh, around oh, the, the good wow. ship uh, Roderick Pop, and I, I I had no idea what what they meant. I did, <laughs> it's I, like you and the hanky, so the hanky code, right? Yeah, hanky code, right? I, I was flying a green hanky in my back left pocket. I didn't know that <laughs> it meant like I was boogers. into boogers, right? <laughs> and uh, and uh, Captain Miriam solves all these problems in one fell swoop, and also somehow completely a like completely by happenstance i already own a retired commodore's jacket i didn't have to go through any of the like where is i may already have a retired director of the cia jacket and i just don't realize it you just need to send her some uh, some photos i need to send her photos of everything she could be your personal archivist is all i'm saying <sighs> I think she's. You, you may have finally found it. You, you, you lament this every every few months about what are you going to do, like with the history of all the items in your home, like how how will that be passed on to the future generations? Mm-hmm. She's very scientific, John. I don't want to go into too much personal detail, well, but Captain Miriam is very scientific. All all I'm saying is that 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 uh, that, that mystery at least is solved, and why it is that I. That you know, because I ask people to salute me when they come into the house, and at a certain point, I change to a kind of open-handed salute rather than your closed-handed salute. What? I, what? Like I'm not Himmler? sure. Like... I'm not sure. No, not like Himmler. <laughs> open-handed, like uh, you know, like a, a classic sort of. I think it's uh, called a wave. Not a wave. That, that you're still touching the tip of your glasses with the hand. Okay, it's just your palm out. Sort oh, of, uh, I know what you mean. Like a lieutenant, sort of like lieutenant kind of lieutenant, right? Like like you're uh, like you're the the governor general in the Raj. Uh, uh, let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. It's because I was I was I was feeling like a commodore. Isn't it fair to say you probably know more about military and fake military clothing than most people in Seattle? Mm, yeah. mm, I'll be I, honest. You probably be in the top. I'd be in the top five percent. Top five percent. Okay. If you go to the co-op meeting. Like the second meeting dressed yeah. as a former Commodore of a yacht club, people are going to think it's pretty fucking weird. Yeah, but yeah. if you're consistent, 
If you always show up in some kind of military garb, no one is going to fuck with you. Right. But it's, but every, but one day I'm a colonel in the air force. <laughs> one day I'm wearing desert fatigues. <laughs> there are a lot of people with honorary degrees who call themselves doctor. There's no reason you can't be, there's no fucking reason you can't be an honorary commodore. All I'm saying is if you show up at this place and you, and you want to have this, this, this certain will to power, you may be able to go in there, dress for the job you want. Am I right? Well, but this is the thing. Commodore I have already, the be- I've already begun compiling the, the uniform of a member of the board of directors of your child's co-op. <laughs> child, see, it's, it would be like a fleece. Co-op. It would be like a Patagonia fleece. Well, see, now that's where you would an think. An aluminum think, water bottle. I have, not, I have not been to this meeting yet, so I'm guessing that that's what, that's what you're going to find. Oh, aluminum so that's going to be the enlisted men, you're Please, thinking. that's right. Zach. Okay, got it. Sorry. So, obviously, tweed jacket, patches on the elbows, knit squared bottom tie you sound like in, michael keaton in like a gray knit that's right no you're absolutely right michael keaton in 83 yeah plaid, plaid button down sort of nor sport shirt ah oh, it's a smart look mm-hmm. i don't and, know though i think the military thing i my, my um but then crew neck sweater on top of the shirt i just saw oceans 11 uh, for the first time, I think you should bring back the 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 giant turtleneck, almost cowl neck, ridiculously large turtleneck shirt. That, like a sweater, like a big, big – you know what I'm talking about? You ever seen the movie? Like for some reason, like three different guys in the movie, especially Matt Damon, are wearing these cool like fisherman kind of sweaters, like you know, vertical ribbing, but with these giant, giant turtlenecks. You're talking about the, ca- the Captain Haddock sweater. Am I? The Captain Haddock sweater from I might be thinking of the former captain, the retired Captain Haddock. Is that what it's called? I'm going to look that up. It's a smart look. Well, I could not pull that off. You would look awesome in that. You know, the, the thing about Captain Haddock is that his, first of all, his sweater has a giant anchor on it. Captain Haddock. And, um... Oh, apparently this is a cartoon <laughs> character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. What? Are you not a Tin Tin reader? Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, outed. Outed as a non-Tintin reader. He's got a pipe. Yeah, He's got a Thurston Howell hat. He looks a little like Bluto. That's right. And guess what else? He's from Belgium. 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 He's got no pupils. Um, I don't know. I have mixed feelings because there's to me, there's two ways you can go with this. Like you can either go with like the, the perhaps inadvisable, this guy is obviously bananas. Right. approach which well, is he might go in in a, sl- in a slicker one day like the gorton's fisherman you, uh, you know like one day <laughs> you might go in as like the i don't know whatever the seattle mariner big head mascot is yeah. you know moose. mariner moose mariner moose oh they had a big head big head mascot at my kid's school today made a bunch of kid, kids cry it's a big lion was the person inside of it autistic <laughs> just bringing it around I, I'm pretty sure that... Or you I'm, could just I, consistently wear the same uniform. That's all I'm going to I'm pretty say. sure that my, my sword cane is going to be the thing that, just, that that really gets their attention, but that's not going to be till meeting five. Well, a lot of people are going to see it and go, that guy doesn't look like he needs a cane, and mm. he definitely looks like, like the kind of guy who would like to carry a sword, so I'm going to mm. guess that's probably a sword mm. cane. You would think, but the people up here, the, 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 you know, the fleece dulls their... Like, I think that the fleece creates a kind of um it like off gases mm. and it you know dulls your wits for combat a lot of leeching yeah yeah so no no i i the whole idea the whole premise that one day i would be jockeying for power in a pre-k co-op is like i feel a little bit like i'm sitting in one of those little tiny desks at a parent teacher conference already. Yeah. And I don't know how this I don't know how this happened. You know, you know Merlin that that Michael Anthony Hall and um uh what the hell? Molly Ringwald. Yeah. They're they're the same age as me. <laughs> and just that in itself that's that's plenty i yeah i just don't yeah. I, I i was thinking about that today like i don't think i knew that at the time i think I, about that a lot i watched i was watching moneyball today that movie and like billy beans like 51 like yeah. it's like he was a guy who like played baseball like when i when i was a kid yeah 
But he's only like a few years older than me. I mean, Michael Stipe is not that much older than me. That's right. He seems like a generation older than me, but he's actually not. Right. And that is disturbing to me. And with Michael Stipe, I can handle it because whatever, when I was, when I was 15, he was already 22 or something. And like that did seem, that did seem like a generational difference. But I don't think I knew that Anthony Michael Hall and Molly Ringwald were just six months older than me or something. I think if I had they, known that. They seemed that, younger to you? No, 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 no. They seemed, again, like they were in the movies. I was, it, I thought that they were older people playing teenagers. I thought it was the classic 90210 problem. Right. 20, the girl with the glasses is 60. Yeah. Right. And, and uh, you know, 27-year-olds that are playing 17-year-olds. But the, you know, the knowledge that those that those kids playing teenage kids were actually teenage kids is, uh, I don't it's, it's know retro, why it's retroactively depressing. Yeah. I don't know why to learn that at 44 years old is causing me to, to, uh, to kind of be agog today, but, but, uh, but I've spent, spent all afternoon kind of like thinking about Anthony Michael Hall. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I, he got real meaty for a while. Wasn't he like really, uh, like beefy, didn't he get all like uh, like ripped? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was beefy. I think he was. I think I think somebody was advising him as a young person. Don't don't be the nerd. Don't be typecast as the nerd. Yeah. So you gotta you gotta you know you gotta get into the gym and uh, be a serious actor and get. Uh, it was not flattering. Take some intense roles. I don't think you'd recognize him now if you Google Anthony Michael Hall right I'm now not, and I'm look at his face. That. No, it's you're going to be like oh, he looks like a guy at my child's pre-K. He looks like just somebody's dad. He doesn't look like Anthony Michael Hall anymore. But now you look at a Jackie Earl Haley. I, I, you probably have not had a chance to look at the uh, the materials I sent you. But mm. in the in the movie version of uh, Watchmen, uh, Rorschach is played by Jackie Earl Haley, who you'll remember from Bad News Bears and Breaking oh, Away. Oh, sure, sure. The the, the bad kid, the cigarette smoking. He's great. Yes, he's played he's played Freddy Krueger in one of the uh, Nightmare movies. He's oh. in Shutter Island. He has a great small but great role in shutter island and he's one of those guys who's like he's all he's all with all due respect mr earl haley like he's all fucked up looking he's he's always been super weird looking but yeah. like I, I i i so treasure that like and you know what now i gotta find out how old he is i do this now you know what else i do john i look for how tall people are isn't that strange oh, yeah. i don't think he's very tall i search i search for how tall people are isn't that did, odd that's an old person thing to do isn't it <laughs> did, how, how, i like your new boyfriend he's tall <laughs> How? I was like Scarlett Johansson. Seems like she's a a, a little gal. She's she seems. Um, let me just look here. She's oh look at that. She's no five, no five, the, three. the gal the gal who plays Agent Hills a little more uh, statuesque. Did the bad news bears have the effect on you that it had on me? Probably. Which is to say that there were there were things happening in that movie that were just a little bit out out of my grasp and they made me afraid that movie made me afraid and also yearn for things i didn't i didn't know what i was yearning oh, for. oh, oh, oh you know what it, it's ineffable and yes it's the hallmark of like the late 70s oh my god john you're gonna send me down a fucking rabbit hole here it's the, it's a hallmark of the late 70s young person's movie whether that's breaking away or whatever for me uh the first movie i ever saw diane lane in a little romance with mr uh, Lawrence olivier i had the hugest crush because it was about these kids who meet in paris and fall in love and they're like 12 or 13 and i saw it when i was like 10 or 11 so i was like you ever have that though you're just filled with like you see kids at camp like you watch meatballs and i'm like oh man i would well, love to meet a girl in shorts yeah well yes absolutely and dangerous thing, but like so about- seductive Tatum O'Neill was that she I'm just realizing now that there was a remake of Bad News Bears with some other people and uh, uh, yeah uh, that's not what we're talking about but no 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 we're talking about the one with Walter Matthau where he's yeah, drinking he's Tat- drinking he's fucking drinking beer drinking he's beer, drinking and, beer and in the movie smoking with kids. cigarettes but but Tatum O'Neill had this worldliness that I knew I knew already in 19 whatever 70 like what the hell year was that, that i want to say 77 because paper moon was like 73 she smokes in that and she's like 10 yeah. okay 76 
So Tatum O'Neill, I sent you, it, by the way, I sent you a link to some Jackie Earl Haley uh, materials. Oh, that you I'll check it out. But like I knew in 1976, so I was eight in 76 and I knew that Tatum O'Neill in the bad news bears was not a virgin or maybe was still one, but had been to third base. Did you have a mental model for virginity when you were eight? I was, I, I was so, I was so worried. Um, you, you knew that she had crossed some kind of, she had, she had crossed the line. Line. And she, and people, she was like, um, maybe, maybe she, somebody had touched her boobs and she was okay with it. Mm. Um, she wanted it to happen even. And this is back when we both still worried about, uh, people being damaged goods, right? You, you worry about them a little bit. Well, and, and also like I had, like I had engaged in a little bit of like, you show me yours, I'll show you mine. And at one point, out on the compost pile, was in the process of doing a little you show me yours, I'll show you mine with a couple of neighborhood girls when my mom came around the corner with a wheelbarrow full of compost. (laughs) Of all the places... And she said, what are you kids doing? Get out of there. This is why you hate farming at home. <laughs> and everybody scattered. Oh, God. And my mom wasn't mean about it. She wasn't, it wasn't, you know, she just, that was it just. It wouldn't her... take a lot, John. I mean, just, just, just her being there, that those two worlds should not collide like that. Oh, I was covered in shame. I was covered in shame and I did not know how, you know, and the thing about Tatum O'Neill and the, and the kid with the dirt bike. What's his name? Jackie Earl Haley. Jackie Earl Haley. The thing about them is that they had, they clearly had no parental supervision or very little. And I was worried that in order, I think what it was, was I was worried that in order to, to learn about sex and cross the, the, the Rubicon to be on the other side where the, where, where uh, people were touching each other. I was going to have to sacrifice my relationship with my mom. Mm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. in the movies, all the, all the kids that were fast, when you went to their house, when the movie went to their house, their mom was smoking cigarettes and was drunk in front of the TV. Or like, you know, uh, working mom, single mom, who's like always out selling real estate or whatever. Yeah, but 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 always like the the message in the movie was always that that mom was self-involved or I mean it was very seldom that she was a working mom who was harried and her kids were bad. She was always a working mom who was like who was having an affair with her boss or like right. you know she was a she was a bad mom and so that's how these kids who had a, who had hearts of gold but they were smoking cigarettes behind the school and they were they were feeling each other up. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to, because, you know, my mom already worked a lot and I didn't want to have to lose the good relationship that we had with the little time that we had together in order to learn to be like a fast kid who like had, who had put his hand up a girl's shirt. And so I think in my mind somewhere I drew this, I drew this line like I needed to be good and in order to be, it was a little bit black and white in order to be good. I needed to not, or it wasn't that I needed to, but that I was never going to be the kid with the motorbike. Right. And that's a, that's a, you know, if I could sit, if, if I could sit my eight year old self down and talk to him about this, I would be arrested immediately uh, for talking about sex with an eight-year-old, because apparently that's illegal now. Let's not talk about time travel. But I wish <laughs> that's that. Boy, Back that's then the... it wasn't illegal. Back then you could have a kid go get a beer for you. You kidding me? It was the style at the time. <laughs> no, it's uh, oh boy, boy, that's a real uh, minefield. I was going to say Freudian, and I stopped. Uh, but 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 it is. I mean, like uh, I felt the same way. My mom was real protective of me. You know, I think she's, you know, she'd had a lot of loss in her life and did not want to have me be lost too. 
but like that that made me uh, more reluctant to like uh, until you know my mid-teen years to become a hellion. You know uh-huh. what I mean? There's a part of me that thinks like it's a good idea to, to to like burn it out of your system when you're Tatum or Jackie aged, like not, but like in an environment that's safe. Like there should be some kind of like you know, uh, mall petri dish way to fill people up. Like you shouldn't have to like sneak out of the house when you're 17 and like you know, go somewhere super foreign. You know what I mean? It's like the yeah. Italians having wine at dinner. Like it, it exactly. makes it it takes away the stigma. Although the tragedy now is that. Whatever that was that I was seeing in Tatum O'Neill's eyes, I mean, what we know now about her relationship with her father, Ryan O'Neill, the alcoholic, like... Uh, Farabeater. Yeah, terrible, terrible, wasn't terrible. He a fer- wasn't he a Farabeater? What is a Farabeater? Oh, uh, was he, didn't, wasn't he um, unkind to Farrah Fawcett? Oh, I think he was unkind to everybody. I think he... I think he... You're saying he oh. was legitimately abusive. Well, she says here in her... I'm Now I'm reading from Wikipedia. In her autobiography, <laughs> O'Neill alleged that she was molested by her father's uh. drug dealer when she was 12. Uh. She also alleges physical and emotional abuse from her father, much of which she attributed to drug use. She detailed her own heroin addiction, et cetera, et cetera. So whatever that worldliness that was being captured on film when she was 12 was in fact... Oh, no. Actual horror. Can I just say Mackenzie Phillips? Mackenzie Phillips, another one. And another another young lady I was very attracted to for her apparent worldliness who, like, you know, had some problems. Yeah, and maybe I was right as a kid to see that, to see her allure and also recognize that it was, that it was a, uh, that it was a tragedy or that there was forbidden, uh, forbidden knowledge and that it's really the exploitative adults in 1976 who used that who used that brokenness in her eyes to captivate a generation of us young boys. Wow. Boy. Wow. I... Misbegotten youth. Might be done with the whole program now. That was that was good. Brokenness in her eyes. Shit. Um now what about Jodie Foster? I loved her. Yeah. Remember the movie where she was... Remember that whole series of movies that with David Niven? Hang on a minute. Didn't she? There was, was one where was, she lived wait, in... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Was Tatum O'Neill? Was it Tatum O'Neill or Jodie Foster in Bad News Bears? It was Tatum O'Neill in Bad News Bears. Was Jodie Foster in the TV version? Is that what I'm thinking of? I don't know. Was there a TV version? God, I... Uh, Jodie Foster was in a movie with David Niven where she was an American girl who... It turned out... This is the great... Oh, my God. This, this plot line... The, the very existence of this plotline ruined me as a child, the knowledge that this type of thing was possible. She was a, uh, like a ruffian, an American street ruffian little girl who, it turns out, <laughs> is the heiress to some uh, British, you know, her last surviving relative is the, the Duchess of Cornwall or whatever. And she flies over to England and is living in a castle. Uh, with David Niven, and it's one of those cu- culture clash things where she's like, "What? You don't know how to play baseball?" She- smacking her gum, <laughs> and, and uh, uh, his monocle shatters. Yeah, uh, but uh, but I, you know, I saw that movie at 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 the exact wrong age, the the totally impressionable age, where I was like, "Wait a minute, are you te- are you telling me that?" All I have to do is just be the all. All that's going to happen is somebody's going to come knock on the door and be like, "Hello, we've come for the boy. He's the, he's the last surviving son of the Duke of Cornwall, the Duke of uh, Worcestershire sauce." Uh, Can you imagine how your life would be different if you'd had David Niven for a mentor? Oh, I'd be such an asshole. 